Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you guys. Some of you guys are excited to be at New Life to worship Jesus today. Come on, are you there? Are you? That's good, because I am as well, which is always good. Hey, for those of you that maybe don't know who I am, my name is Jeff. I want to say a big hello to everybody worshiping with us at all of our campuses today. Uh, Ogallala, North Platte, our global campus online. We are excited to have you at New Life today. I believe God's going to do something fantastic in your life today. I really believe God gave us a very, very powerful but yet encouraging word for you today. Are you ready to be encouraged by God's word today? Right, because I mean sometimes people think like they come to church like they're going to get beat up by God's word. And today, today, I want you to know you're going to be encouraged by God's word. In fact, every Sunday, you should be encouraged by God's word. Although, God's word is going to be challenging. That's where people kind of get, this, they, they kind of get messed up in their head. They think that challenging, you know, is like condemning. It's not. There's a total difference there. All right? Uh, the Holy Spirit convicts. He convicts. That's his work. If you feel condemned, that's Satan's work. So today, if you feel convicted, that's God at work. All right? And I want you to discern the difference between that because today is an encouraging word. It's week three of our ter- current teaching series, Known, where we're looking at these pillars of who our God is. Week number one, we looked at how God is all-knowing. Week number two, we looked at how God is all-present. And then this week, week number three, we're looking at how God is all-powerful. Come on, someone say all-powerful. That's who God is. God is all-powerful. Or maybe oh, the word that you might be thinking about is omnipotent. Okay? That's the word, omnipotent. But God is all-powerful. And I want to I explain how God is all-powerful to you today. Just kind of getting this thing kicked off. I just want to lay the framework. What does it mean for God to be all-powerful? How many of you guys have a, uh, have a superhero? You know, you got a superhero that you just love more than any other superhero. Come on, let me see your hand. It's okay. We're all adults, but we got superheroes. No one has superheroes. You guys gave it up a long time ago? All right, well, forget it then. <laughs> no, I'm just messing around. I'm just messing around. Come on, you guys have a superhero, right? All right, on three, I want you to yell out the superhero you like the most. Ready? One, two, three. Spider-Man. Okay, I heard Spider-Man. I heard Superman. For me, it's Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, I know, and you're like, well, hold on, that's not just like one superhero. I know, I cheated, all right? It's my sermon, all right? So, Guardians of the Galaxy, I love this. And what I love about superheroes is that superheroes always take on a villain, and the villain always seems to be a person that has this immeasurable power that no one can ever conquer, right? And so you get towards the end of the movie, and all of a sudden they find a weakness in the villain, all right? You with me? Every super, I I don't mean, I hate hate to blow the movies for you, but every one of them is going to end this way, Okay? And every one of them is set up this way. Superhero and a villain that has power that nobody can defeat. Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 1 is that way. You got Peter Quill. Okay, just for a moment, let me geek out here on my favorite superhero. All right? You got Peter Quill, who's from Earth, right? He's compiled this team of unlikely heroes to save the galaxy. You've got Ronin. Ronin is the villain, right? Ronin has acquired the power stone, um, and he's embedded it into his war hammer, giving him immeasurable powers. And then Ronin sets out now to destroy the galaxy. And he's going to start with the very first planet, Xandar, okay? And so here are the guardians of the galaxies. They're, the galaxy, they, they hear about this. They're trying to fight against him. But it's like, <laughs> it's like, <clears throat> it's impossible, you know, for him to, to for them to actually beat him. Uh, Ronan's got the dark aster. He's got his war hammer. He's got the power stone. It's like he's going to be unstoppable until Peter Quill 
A dude from Earth distracts Ronan just enough while Drax and Rocket, they destroy the Warhammer, right? And then Peter, he gets the Power Stone, and with like Drax and Rocket um, and Gamora, uh, they, 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 they like, get this thing, and they focus it on Ronan, and they completely like destroy him. They vaporize Ronan, and the galaxy is saved once again, people. Thank you. I hope you get that excited about some scripture in a second. I'm just messing around. Just messing around. Uh, the galaxy is saved, but that's going to be like every one of them. The point is that Ronan seemed invincible, right, until they discovered a weakness in him. I want you to know today, your all-powerful God has no weakness to exploit. Now, that's good. Your all-powerful God has no weakness to exploit, like they found the weakness in Ronan. Now, let me help you continue to understand our all-powerful God. All right, because one of my favorite superheroes as well, Superman, is under attack right now in our so-called woke culture. All right, and I just want to remind you that Superman is probably the best superhero of all times. Right? I mean, he's innocent. Right? He is pure at heart. He's got the right motives. Right? To save mankind. And Superman does things, and people don't even know who he is. Right? He's in and he's out. He's not doing news. News interviews and all this kind of stuff. Superman's awesome, remember? He's faster than what? A speeding bullet. He's more powerful than a locomotive. He's able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Look up there in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's But then you put this green little glowing rock of kryptonite in his hand and he turns into jello. What's up with that? I just want you to know today that your all-powerful God... He has no kryptonite. There's nothing that can weaken God's power. Are you with me so far? So a thought about God's power. Some people think that God is at this stalemate battle with Satan. Some people see this in their mind and in their heart. They think that Satan somehow has this equal power to God and they're at this stalemate. And sometimes Satan wins and sometimes God wins. And I just want to set the record straight today. God has no equal power in power. Satan is not God's equal. Satan was created by God. Nothing created by God can be equal to the creator, ever. I just want to set the record straight. Your all-powerful God has no weakness to exploit. Your all-powerful God has no kryptonite to make him weaker, and your all-powerful God has no equal that comes close to him. That's because God is, God is omniscient. God is all-powerful. Amen? And today we're going to be looking at that through our key passage. We've been looking at Psalms 139. And today uh, we're going to go to verses 13 through 18. So if you would look at the screens or use your version app or your Bible, that would be awesome. It says this, that God, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, 
you're still with me. When I look at a passage of scripture like this, and I think about an all-powerful God, the very first thought that hits me that I want you to kind of, you know, think about with me is this, that God's power in creation was faithful, and that means that God's power can be trusted today. God's power in creation was faithful. When I look at creation, I see basically three levels of creation. I see first the material, the physical creation, where solar systems and galaxies and planets and the earth was created. But then I also see the creation of of humanity, the creation of man, right, which is complex and with everything that the, the psalmist is talking about here. Your life is much more complex than a galaxy. The inner being of who you are is more complex than a planet or a solar system. You are the most complex thing God ever created. And there I see God's faithfulness in creating Adam all the way to you. But then I also see the creation of salvation. of God creating a way for mankind, sinful man, to join, to join with a holy God through Jesus Christ, his son, who gave his life on the cross and rose again. And if God is faithful in all three of these creation moments, I'm telling you that, that therefore God can be trusted for your future. And I think that's what the psalmist is really trying to drive home for us. The psalmist is really trying to drive home for us this idea that God was faithful in his creation. Now just simply talking about you for a moment. He was faithful in his creation of you. Therefore, God should be trusted to finish what he started. And this is what, you know, Paul, the Apostle Paul comes back and he reiterates this in, a, in, a, in Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. And he says, look, I'm certain that God, I'm certain about this. Like there's no doubt in my mind about this. I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. The God who started something, who started creation in your, in your life, is faithful to finish it. He's faithful to be trusted with the future. And so when you look at what God did, what did God do? The psalmist tells us this in 139, right, in the passage that we were looking at, that our all-powerful God, he knit you together in your mother's womb. He made you wonderfully complex. God's workmanship is marvelous. I'm just quoting out of Psalms 139, that, that God watched you as you were being formed in the womb, You go back to our passage in verse 16, it says that, look, you saw me before I was ever born. So there's this powerful truth that God was faithful at the beginning. And since God watched over the delicateness of your personal creation, that means this, that the all-powerful God can be trusted for your future. That if God can knit you together in your mother's womb, God can mend your pain today. That if God can make you wonderfully complex, God can lead you through the overly complex situation that you think you're walking through right now. That if God's workmanship is marvelous and it's unmatched, then God can be trusted with your most delicate and secret issues that no one else knows about right now. And that if God watched over you while in your mother's womb, God can definitely be trusted to watch over your future. See, I think we've overlooked, we've overlooked the miraculous, and we live mundane lives in, in, in light of an all-powerful God, an all-powerful God who created you so wonderfully and marvelous and complex, 
doesn't want you to live in a substandard life. He wants you to live in the covering of an all-powerful God. And when we were babies, we didn't have a choice to trust God. When we were being formed in the mother's womb, when God was right there seeing it all take place, masterfully organizing it all, we didn't have a choice in our mother's womb. But you have a choice today. You have a choice today to surrender your fear to an all-powerful God. You have your choice today to surrender your control today to an all-powerful God who knit you together marvelously and complexly in your mother's womb. You have a choice today whether you're going to trust God again. Trusting God as the all-powerful God, though. Not just as a God, but the all-powerful God, meaning that God can do anything at all times. Do you actually believe that today? Are you worshiping a God who can't do anything or can't do all things whenever he chooses to? Who is God that you're worshiping today? Because God wants us to come back to understand him that he is all powerful. But to do that means we have to come back to him with a childlike faith. Children are awesome. Children are amazing. Jesus even said this about a childlike faith in Luke chapter 18 verse 17. He goes, look, I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. What's a childlike faith look like? A child still believes that anything's possible because they haven't been warped by the sin nature of humanity yet. What would it be like if as adults we still believed that everything was possible with God and we didn't knee-jerk to, yeah, but? What if we could remove that out of our lives again? What would faith in God look like in an all-powerful God that once again we were in awe of, that he could do anything? How would it change the way you live? You'd be like, well, it would be a little foolish. In man's eyes, it would be foolish, but in God's eyes, it would be perfect. What does childlike faith look like? Childlike faith carries few, if any, worries about tomorrow. What would it be? What would it be like if you could live your life without the worry of what tomorrow brings because you trusted in an all-powerful God? How would your life be different if you weren't constantly worrying about tomorrow, next week, the situation, what it's going to develop into because you truly believed in an all-powerful God? That's childlike faith. A childlike faith finds security in the presence of a defender. They find security uh, you take a child and you walk them through even like a tense situation, but if they're being held by dad, they're pretty much pretty good. What would it be like if you understood that you were being held by a defender, an all-powerful God, no matter what you walked through, he had your back? How would it change the way you live? How would it change your faith if you once again allowed yourself to be in awe of an all-powerful God that he is your defender? Childlike faith, a child finds fascination in the ordinary. What if we once again started finding fascination in the ordinary of what God created, which, by the way, is extraordinary? But what if we once again found fascination in the ordinary of God? As we just read his word, we were fascinated with it. As we went into a worship service, and you weren't waiting for Jeff to tell some joke that impressed you, that you were just caught up in the ordinary sermon. What would it be like? It would be like when we were kids again, caught up in the ordinary. I still remember as a kid, 
doing what kids don't get the privilege to do today. And I understand it, right? Because it's not safe. Laying in the back window of a massive Chrysler as it went, ran down the interstate. <laughs> Laying back there and semi-trucks coming. And then there you were and you were like this in the back window. And the truck driver actually saw you and didn't think like, I got to call these parents in. Right? And then he honked the horn and you were like, yes. I was fascinated with the ordinary. Just like you were one day. And what if we came back to that same kind of faith in an all-powerful God that we are fascinated in just in the ordinary of God? And the extraordinary would blow our minds away. What do we have to do? We have to, on a daily basis, we have to position ourselves like we're a child in the arms of God. And today, at New Life Church, no matter what campus you're at today, my challenge for you as we move into worship here in a little bit is going to be to physically position yourselves in the arms of an all-powerful God again. And let the awe of God once again inspire a childlike faith. Come to God believing that all things are possible. Come to God just being fascinated with the ordinary. Come to God and go, God, I'm just a kid. I'm climbing into your arms. I am nothing on this earth. I'm like a speck of dust in the, in the, in the scope of the entire universe. If I'm even a speck of, speck of dust. But yet you love me. So I come to you as a child. But God gives us so many more reasons, guys, to believe and put our hope and our faith in him and to come to him like a child, you know, to this all-powerful God. He gives us so many, so many reasons. Another one of those reasons is this, that the all-powerful God can't stop thinking about you. Let that soak in for a moment. He can't stop thinking about you. Now, look, don't get down on yourself, but how many, how many times did you actually think about him this week? And he can't stop thinking about you. That wasn't, to, that wasn't to like, you know, put guilt on you. That was just to like juxtapose his all-powerful heart towards you and your human heart towards him. Right? So, guys, our all-powerful God can't stop thinking about you. He, he thinks about you so much that you can't even count the amount of times that he thinks about you. The psalmist reminded us of this in our key passage in verse 17. He goes, look, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. This is God's heart towards you. I know some of you are sitting there right now and you're like, no, nah, it's not me. It's probably the person next to me. They're, they're much more righteous than I am. God probably thinks about the righteous more than he thinks about me. Well, God thinks about every human being equally in the amount of time that he has given to thinking about you, his heart bent towards you. God's thoughts about you were thoughts before you were born. God's thoughts for you are thoughts while you've been living. Do you realize that God even right now is having thoughts about you and spending eternity with you in heaven? Did you realize that God in those thoughts about you for heaven and your thoughts before you were born and the thoughts that he has for you right now, that he, he, he actually wrote those thoughts down, he took time to write them down? You can tell me something important, and I don't even take time to write it down. And then I forget it, and I wonder why. But God thought so much about you that he took time to write it down, the psalmist tells us. And then in the midst of that incredible, wonderful plan, 
God says this, I'm going to give you free will though. You can choose to, to, to take my plan. I'm all powerful God. I'm the one that designed it. Or you can struggle to make your little plan happen. Man. Sometimes I wish God never gave us free will like that. And then there's other times that I'm so glad that he did. God wants you to choose him. He doesn't want you to be a robot for him. And today, everybody who's listening to my voice, you get a chance to choose God, the all-powerful God, today. Let me just tell you, church, there is a benefit. There's a benefit to choosing the all-powerful God. And that one thing is this, that he can focus completely on you while carrying the weight of the entire universe. And you're sitting there right now and you're thinking to yourself, like, how in the world is that possible? Well, let's talk about it for a moment. How many of you guys would think that, or define yourself as a person that you would say, I have a quality, one of my qualities is I'm a multitasker. I can multitask. Come on, be bold, hold your hand up, okay. I'm a multitasker. So as, hum- as humans, we think, we think that we can multitask, right? And we like that idea about us. In fact, when you go to a job interview, a, a good manager who's hiring somebody is looking for this like superhuman quality in a person. Can they multitask? Because every good employ- employer is thinking to themselves, how do I get my hands on the super employee? The person that can do three times the amount of work as the other person and get it done in the exact same amount of time. And we think that that's multitasking. We think multitasking is the fact that the person can, you know, do all these different things at the same time. But the truth is, the truth is no human can multitask. Just want you to know that right now. So even if you thought you had the gift, I just want to redefine what, I, actually I want to actually accurately define what multitasking is. Because multitasking is not the ability to do like this one thing. And then turn and do this next thing and turn and do this next thing. Because that's not actually multitasking. That's still single tasking. I'm thinking about this, getting it done. Then I'm turning, I'm thinking about this, getting it done. Then I'm turning, I'm thinking about this, and I'm getting it done. Now, it is a gift to be able to keep all of those things moving forward. But even in that, it's not multitasking. It's single tasking. You're just doing one single task at a time. No man, no human has the actual ability to truly multitask based on the definition of multitasking. So I get it. Like some of you are going, well, yeah, but I can walk down the road, chew gum, and have a conversation with somebody at the same time. And I go, hey, that's awesome. Almost every human being can do that. It's our autonomatic nervous system. It's our lower brain functioning that allows us to do these remedial tasks at the same time, and your brain goes, yeah, sure, you can do that, and then you can do this at the same time. Okay, but that's still not multitasking. That's just, that's just the, the in- intuitive responses of your nervous system going, yeah, I think we do these lower level, lower bandwidth, lower brain activities. We can do them at the same time. And I don't know about you, I praise the Lord we can do that, right? Because that's what allows me to watch the TV and eat at the same time. Just think if you didn't have that. Just think if God didn't put that in you. What would that look like to try to watch the TV and eat at the same time? You'd be watching the TV, right? Watching, watching, watching. And then all of a sudden you have to focus all of your attention on this. Bringing it up. Oh, I got to open my mouth. Ah, take a bite. Mm. Chew it up. 
Stick this back down on the plate. Back to the, back to the show. Oh, man, I missed something. So I'm thankful that God gave us this ability to do these remedial tasks and do them together. See, true multitasking is the ability to do two or more high-level brain-functioning activities at the exact same time. That's what multitasking is. So now let me ask you, if you're a multitasker, let's find out in this room who can do it. Who can have a high-level verbal conversation with someone while reading a very complex book at the exact same time. Because if you can't do that, you can't actually truly multitask. And I'm going to venture to say that nobody listening to me right now has the ability to do that because no human on this earth has the ability to do that. So watch this though. Studies show that when a person tries to do high-level activities at the exact same time. They've done multiple ones, by the way. They've spent millions and millions of dollars on this to try to figure out what multitasking is. That errors happen left and right. There's tons of errors all over the place. And when they try to inject a third high-level thing into a human's life, here's what they've all discovered. Not only multiple errors happen, but one of those three things doesn't even get the attention. So, bottom line, humans can't high-level multitask. So in your next job interview, stop lying. <laughs> Tell them, I can't multitask, but I can do a bunch of single tasks at the same time. So you're not as good as you thought you were. But God's greater than you thought he was. Because God can do millions upon millions of high-level multitasking events at the exact same time. So you might not be as good, but God's greater. God can listen to your prayers while healing someone else. God can comfort those who mourn while celebrating with others at the exact same time. Because he's all-powerful. God can walk with you through your unique, difficult scenario and season while he walks with another person through their unique, difficult season all at the same time. And you might be thinking to yourself, like, that just blows my mind away. And this is what Jesus said about it in Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. He says, look, humanly speaking, it's impossible. But with God, what does the rest of that scripture say? Everything is possible. Did you guys realize that? God multitasks at a level that you and me, we can't even do it. That's an all-powerful God, and that all-powerful God has his eyes and his ears focused on you all the time. That's amazing. And then we look around us. We look at this creation that God has put at our very feet that we walk on, that we take airplane rides to to see more of it. We try to take it in, and it's awe-inspiring, and God's physical creation around us reminds us of his unstoppable power that when you look at God's creation it causes you to be in awe of God when you stand at this roaring waterfall and you're like not just that God create it but he controls it when you stand at the edge of the Grand Canyon and you look at it and you're just like wow God you are powerful when you stand at a mountain range and you look at these mountains these majestic mountains you think to yourself God you are all-powerful when you stand at the edge 
of a, of a vast ocean and you look out and all you can see is water. I don't know what you think, but I think to myself, God, you are all powerful and all of God's creation is doing one simple thing. And that's reminding you that this all-powerful God loves you. That's what he wants you to see. When you look at the awe-inspiring you know, power of God at work and this, just this earth, this just one planet, one little planet in the midst of an entire universe. He wants you to think, when you think, God, you are amazingly powerful, he wants you to go, yeah, but I love you. How powerful is that? And since I love you, God wants us to go, if you can make the mountains like that, you can do anything in my life. And that's what the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 32, verse 17 said, he goes, Oh, sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Watch this. Nothing is too hard for you. The next time you stare at a mountain, the next time you stare at an ocean, I want you to be in awe of God, but I want you to immediately think an all-powerful God loves me. And if he can do that, just think what he can do in my personal life. And that allows you to come to God with an incredible confidence, knowing that he's been thinking about you more than you've ever been thinking about him. So I encourage you today, church, do something with me as we move into this moment of worship. Humble yourself in the presence of an all-powerful God. Humble yourself. God, I'm little. You're big. Allow an awe-inspiring fear to increase within you right now. Not a fear that causes you to run from God, but a fear that causes you to bow before God. That you are all-powerful. Who am I to think that I am at equal with you? Who am I to try to discount you out of my life? Who am I to, to make you small? Who, who am I to consider that you can't do what I think you can do? Who, who am I to diminish you? Who am I to have this lack of faith? Who am I to think little of you? And to humble ourselves before an almighty God and to raise our hands and surrender to him. Or to kneel before God today and surrender to him. Or just do this, lift up your voice today in worship and declare, God, you are all powerful. You are mighty. There is no equal to you, God. You have no kryptonite. There is nothing to exploit your power with. Just declare the all-powerful, majestic might of our incredible, loving God today. Would you do that with me? Are you ready for that? You're kind of sitting there like, whoa, I'm overwhelmed or... All right, good. Stand with me. Let's worship. Lord, we come to you in prayer right now. You are an all-powerful, mighty God. Lord, the only way we can come to you is because you made a way. We didn't make the way. You made the way. It's part of your creation. You put eternity in our hearts. And you made the path of salvation. You created that. You were faithful in making that, so we should, we should believe and have trust in you that what you started, you will finish in our lives. And Lord, you can work this path of salvation all the way out to eternity with you forever. But today, Lord, we come at this moment, we're in awe of a powerful God. So, Lord, during this time of worship, when we raise our hands to you, we're just surrendering to you. And we're saying, God, you're big, I'm little. Lord, in this time of worship, if, if some choose to kneel or come to an altar and for the hungry and they kneel, Lord, we're kneeling, we're just simply saying this, that God, we're little, you're big. As we lift our voice and we declare your power and your might, 
your majesticness, how we're lifting our voice and declaring that you are incredibly powerful and we're nothing without you. So Lord, would you have your way at New Life Church today, at all of our campuses? Would you speak to hearts and would you meet with people with an all-powerful God come and walk in our midst and speak into the very hearts of those who seek you? In Jesus' name, amen.